Hello, New York, and yes, we are back. New York Take a Walk, the premier New York baseball show here on VIC Radio. I'm Steve Durr, alongside the usual Ethan Birch and Max Tanzer. Guys, it's good to be back. It really is. It's been a while, and baseball has changed a lot since we were able to last talk about it back in February, so we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think the last time we talked, baseball was still set to be normal and start in the end of March. And now here we are, 16-team playoff. And it's been interesting, to say the least. It's good to be back, especially here on VIC. We love our shows. It's going to be a great show here. A little shorter this time. We got 30 minutes, and we're going to have 30 minutes of fun baseball talk. So let's get right into it. The Yankees and the Indians played in the first ever American League wild card series. Yes, this year was the best two out of three series for the first round. Eight teams in the American League, eight teams in the National League. And man, oh man, the Yankees, they quieted the haters in that one. I was going to say I was shocked after that first inning. You know, I, it was supposed to be the pitcher's duel. It was supposed to be Trevor Bauer versus Max Fried, like we saw yesterday in the Reds-Braves. But it was a completely different story right out of the gate. Aaron Judge, the big home run. Luke Voigt adding on. Shane Bieber put up arguably one of the best pitching seasons of all time. If you just look at it in terms of ERA and the Yankees were able to splash on top of him and get off to a great start. And I think winning that game was able to set the tone and put them in a key situation, especially with Tanaka going the next day, even though that didn't work out quite as well as everyone had hoped they were still able to pick up a gutsy win. And I think they're going into this race series in fantastic shape. So if I'm a Yankees fan right now, I'm ecstatic. I am excited. I definitely agree. The Yankees were beyond impressive in my eyes they jumped obviously you said one of the best pitchers in baseball probably the best pitcher of the season you've had a triple crown in the regular season yes it was only a 60 game regular season but that will not go unnoticed it was crazy this Yankees offense was unbelievable they responded every time to the Indians in game two G. Urshela comes up with a massive grand slam Gary Sanchez I'm telling you I'm really impressed with him I was not high on him all season I kept on like on Twitter I was trashing him hits a go-ahead two-run home run and then in the ninth he probably had the most important at bat where he just oh yeah didn't try to hit a home run didn't try to hit the ball really hard just did his job fly ball into center field got the tying run home I believe in the ninth inning and did his job the Yankees as you said, Yankees are in great shape coming against probably the best team in the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, I'm really excited for that series personally as a Yankee fan. The Rays present an interesting challenge. We'll get into that later. But going back to this wildcard series, Garrett Cole, every penny worth right there. That's The Yankees bought him for October. And in his first October start, he really put it out there. It was good that he got a lead with their classic DJ LeMay who poked it to right field, judge home run off Bieber. And one thing that the Yankees did, Yankees did really well in that game off Bieber was the strategy. They looked at the film, and it turns out Shane Bieber only threw 27 off-speed pitches in the regular seasons for strikes. So what the Yankees did was just really just be like, all right, if we see the curveball, Let's just let it go and take our chances and only sit on the 94-mile-per-hour fastball. And 94 in this day and age really isn't that fast. And the Yankees with that lineup, they are fastball hitters, and that's why Shane Bieber allowed seven runs and couldn't even make it through five innings. No, yeah, that's absolutely. crazy. Um, the fastball, as you said, only 94 miles an hour um, is something that is just – it sounds like money for Major League Baseball players. And the fact that Shane Bieber did what he did throwing 94 all season long just sounds so impressive. But – looks back on how good his off speed was, but obviously the Yankees did a phenomenal job. Bieber was looked very, I would say nervous pr- probably in his first playoff game. All the fastballs were right down the middle. If you look at the judge one right down main street judge, put it over the right center fence, just doing a job in the, as a two hitter. 
all day. Fastballs weren't there. Even the manager mm-hmm. said that he looked he was kind of nervous coming into this start, and it showed, and the Yankees took full advantage, a thing that the Yankees tend to do in playoff games. Yeah, and I think I think one of the biggest things too is it was right away. If they were able to let Bieber get into a groove, I think obviously they would have gotten into a little bit of more trouble. And it makes me flash back to some of the other games that we've seen in this entire series where multiple teams have left the bases loaded. The Twins did it, the Reds did it, and that allowed their opposing pitchers or the pitchers they were facing to get into a groove. However, the Yankees, while they didn't even have time to get the bases loaded before they scored some runs, were able to get on top early and apply that pressure. And I think that, you know, for Shane Bieber, that's the first time you've really shown any morality this entire season and that may have thrown him or it definitely did throw him off a little bit and the Yankees were able to pounce on that attack and get him out of the game early and then challenge the bullpen a little bit as well uh, which really set up a big game too as well where the bullpen was super important on both ends it really was and let's go into game two now just chaotic that's the only way I can describe it. Going into it, they pushed it back to start time because incoming rain didn't even end up raining. Started at 7.40. Carlos Carrasco gets the beautiful sun. All of a sudden, Hurricane hits Tanaka. And they let him go out there and allow a run before. They're like, oh, let's put the tarp on the field. They put the tarp on the field for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Next thing you know, the game is back and going. The Cleveland Indians got off to the early start, but the Yankees really fought back. And the obvious player of the game is Gio Urshela with that grand slam, timely hitting in general, the former Indian himself. And then... Can we talk about that double play in the eighth inning? Yeah, I think that, that was could like, have been that actually could have been one of the greatest double plays I've ever seen in my entire life. No, yeah, and who other than Gio Urshela to pull it off against his former team? And that was in a moment too, in an intense spot where they needed to keep it. I believe it was a one-run deficit, if I'm correct, at that point. It was him yeah. able to keep them in that ball game, allowed them to stay in it, and obviously come back in the final innings. Uh, but I, I think another thing too to think about, just with Gio Urshela, is that it's almost like an every man up. And every next man up mentality like we saw in 2019 with the New York Yankees. And it was something that they were struggling with this year, obviously a lot of injuries and then the reserves came up and I'm sure Yankees fans had some confidence in that, at least seeing what happened last year. And it just wasn't the same story, but the fact that they're able to show so much resiliency here in the postseason in a game where everything went wrong, you got to think going in against one of the most elite teams in major league baseball this year against the Rays, that really great things are happening. Um, the fact that they were able to stay in that ball game is huge. And I think it shows that this is a different New York Yankees ball club than we saw a couple weeks ago. And I actually was kind of negative about them coming into this just because how they were almost sleepwalking through the last week of the season, but they really turned it on and I've been impressed for sure. No doubt. And a performance I kind of want to talk about is a role Chapman. He looked really, really good in the ninth inning. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. He should have struck out two of the last three, but I believe the one bent to the backstop. And a- it was really weird uh, watching that because he tried to pick up his stretch when there was runners on, and I was a little nervous he was going to be more erratic and not hitting his spots, but he actually really hit his spots well. So yeah. that's what makes him good. When Chapman is hitting his spots, mm-hmm. uh, he's the most untouchable hitter, uh, reliever, excuse me, in the game because he throws a hundred plus, but he actually took a little bit off and was able to hit the corners and it worked out really well. Yeah, no doubt. And he sped up his, when he sped up, I actually noticed that as well, Steve, it scared me a little bit. I could, I easily, I think a loop, loop low was up, I think. And he already hit a Mm -hmm. double, a go ahead, double over Hicks's head in center field. And when he sped up, you don't really see that at Chapman too much. I actually got nervous that he was going to pop one over the center field, right center fence on a fastball. But Chapman was obviously unbelievable. Also, LeMahieu, 
uh, Alex Rodriguez even said it. If Aaron Boone could have handpicked one guy to come up into that situation, it was DJ LeMahieu. And what do you Easy. know? Ground ball. You look at it. What I really, what I thought was huge too was one LeMahieu, the ground ball up the middle, does the job right before that. Gio Urshela takes a breaking ball at his ankles and gets a base at the center field. Mm-hmm. And again, we talk about the Yankees heavy with the power, heavy with the long ball, which they showed a lot in this entire series. But it was not just that, but able the ability to get runners on when you're hitting the long ball and add up and add up that pressure on this Indians pitching staff, which was huge, which is maybe something we didn't see as much back in the regular season. But something else I wanted to talk to about Chapman was the situation with Mercado on first base. A lot of times pitchers would crunch in that situation Mm because he got the strikeout. Unfortunately, the ball got to the backstop on a really good slider by him. A tough play for Gary. I think it just handcuffed him a little bit. But then Mercado, who's a fantastic base runner, definitely looking to potentially steal second base, especially with Austin Hedges at the plate, who is abysmal at the plate this season, hitting like a buck 45 (laughs) or something like that. And then not only that, but knowing that Chapman on the mound has a slower delivery to the plate, you talked about him trying to speed it up a little bit, able to stay in that and and challenge the hitter and hedges, knowing who you're facing in that moment, uh, throwing him the fastball upstairs, high spin rate, gets him to check the swing, and of course solidifies the American League wildcard championship for those New York Yankees. Oh, yes. Overall, it was a great, great uh, series for the Yankees, and we'll get more onto them later. Let's transition to the team across the pond, the New York Mets, who failed to make the postseason with an expanded eight-team playoff. And instead, they had division foe, the Miami Marlins, make it, and other teams under 500, like the Brewers, make the playoffs as well. And I really want to hand the floor to Ethan on this one (laughs) to start it off, because I know he's really excited to talk about this. If you were to give a grade on the New York Mets season, yes, a lot of stuff happened with them with injuries, opt-outs, and chaos in general. What would the grade be, considering either way they had a lineup that could have gone them to the postseason? F. There's no way around putting the Mets at an F this season. And the words of Jacob deGrom is just disappointing. The Mets have now missed the playoffs in their last 12 out of 14 seasons. And yet it seems almost unimaginable. John Heyman even tweeted, It's hard to believe that a team who almost led the league in hitting and batting average didn't make the playoffs or wasn't even one of the top teams in ha- when half the league makes the playoffs. They finished with 26 wins and 34 losses. And it wasn't even that the bullpen was that bad. I think Edwin Diaz had a really good season. He had the highest Thank strikeout you. rate in baseball this year, which is great. I know Max is smiling a little bit. He's, well, that's his guy. We'll talk about it. I'll let you finish, yeah. And it's also disappointing. Pete Alonso got off to a really, really slumpish start. Uh, start excuse me. He, fi- he, uh, fi- he finished up pretty well. He was on pace to hit 43 home runs, finished with 15. But his season was kind of disappointing. DeGrom is not going to walk away with the Cy Young, although he pitched very well this season. But – Look at some of their uh, additions in the offseason. Michael Waka had a couple good appearances, not great. Rick Parcello got knocked up all season long. Batances barely played, and when he did, he wasn't great. These offseason moves just didn't add up. Yes, Cano played well from last year, and Diaz, Diaz from last year's trade, Diaz played well. I, that trade is not looking awful as Cano is probably the best hitter on the Mets. Take away Michael Conforto. But there's not really much to comment offensively. The team was one of the best teams offensively before they were runner in scoring positions. They put up historically worse numbers when runners went in scoring position. But, Steve, there's no way I don't put an F on this Mets team. They should have made the playoffs, and it's actually a complete disappointment that they didn't. Max, what's your grade? 
No, I'd say D or an F as well, just because I think it's almost like Shakespearean because coming into this season, the big story was the pitching. They're going to have one of the better rotations in Major League Baseball, if not the best rotation in Major League Baseball. The bullpen, as Ethan mentioned, wasn't great. Of course, Diaz had a handful of blown saves in tough spots, but the ERA was still sub two. He was basically striking out two hitters or striking out every other hitter he faced. Uh, and then the offense was incredible this season. Michael Conforto stepping up, Robinson Cano, a huge boost after struggling with the injuries and so forth last season. And they still couldn't find a way. It reminds me a lot of the Philadelphia Phillies in the case that they have an explosive offense and a decent starting rotation, but the bullpen couldn't help them out. And I give them an F as well, because both of them are two teams that are pushing and per se are going out and making win now moves. Of course, Michael Walker and Rick Porcello isn't his sexy as some of the other moves that they could have made potentially in this offseason, but it should have been enough. And they did catch some tough breaks with injuries and opt-outs and so forth, especially with Marcus Stroman. But when half the team's making the postseason and you have Jacob DeGrom in one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball, plus a closer who has a 1.75 ERA, I think that'd be the formula at least to sneak in above the Brewers, who in my opinion are the worst team in this postseason bubble right now and don't deserve to be there. Yeah, I mean, really, I would give the Mets a D. This is a glimmer of hope, I guess. Uh, a glimmer of hope would be, I like Don Juzanemis. He's he's pretty cool. Oh, he was great. No, he, he, was, he, was, he was honestly great. He's young, he's and he great. came up, and he great to swung the bat very well. He's incredibly defensively. Um, he's fast. He swung the bat very well. And also, he took over Ahmed Rosario's spot. He put some competition in the middle infield. Oh, yeah. And awesome. the Grom was dominant again. I don't know if he's going to get that Cy Young. We'll see. But... Probably not. He was he was really good. Mm-hmm. Like I give it a D because they were able to hit the ball. And honestly, Edwin Diaz, I think I learned this year was just is just an unlucky pitcher. Honestly, he is an unlucky pitcher. I know Mets fans give a lot of hatred towards him, but if you really watch and dissect those games and take your emotions out of it, I just truly feel that Edwin Diaz gets unlucky when he's out on the mound. Yeah. I mean, this is sometimes where the batter just hits a hard pitch really well. Like that opening day or the no, yes, no the second day game out. against yeah. Ozuna. The second it was a great game. Pitch. Ozuna, it was a great pitch. But like next thing pitch. you know, it's just over the right field wall because Ozuna was saying he did that same pitch yesterday, which might have been a mistake by Diaz, but still it was a great execute great execution. He said he did the same pitch yesterday, oh two. I'm I was gonna anticipate the outside fastball again. He gave him the outside fastball, took it to right field. He really just got unlucky, and I think Diaz proved himself that he's ready to go if you give him that regular work. He'll might have his flaws here and there, but Every closer has its flaws. Uh, Classic Brody move, and this is the worst move of the year, was trading for Billy Hamilton for your 14th prospect. Like, yeah, I I really don't understand why he did that move, but that is the most Brody move I've ever seen. Win now. Let's get Billy Hamilton, who can hit a baseball, and add more to our outfield problems because we already have a lot of outfielders (laughs) and for our 14th prospect and see how that goes. And next thing you know, they DFA'd him. Well, yeah, you, and you I, know I why? Think, that's why also Brody Van Wagenen isn't coming back next year when Steve Cohen comes into office. And that's the only high, that's the only hope we have in New York and Queens now is Steve Cohen coming in, which is... That's why I get a D also. You get a D for Steve Cohen. That's what, that's what it was, <laughs> I was about to say. If I were to give the Mets a D, it would, be it would be because Steve Cohen's coming in. But you guys, Steve, you know the best. Billy Hamilton steals second when Chapman's pitching. Yes, barely makes that. it in. He was oh actually picked God. off, but then was safe regardless because he's fast. Then, with no one out, he's the tying run with a lefty batting. He tries to steal third and is thrown out. And literally, just what in the world are you doing? He literally got DFA the next day. He was actually safe. He was actually safe, but then came off the bag. I'm pretty sure. 
So regardless, what is what are you doing? Either you way, you don't do that. Of third. You can't make oh, the first yeah, no. out of it's, it's just smart baseball. You just don't do that. Luckily, Rosario walked it off with a home run anyway, and the Mets celebrated at Yankee Stadium, which is still just weird to watch. But <laughs> no, there's no excuses. Brody Van Wagen will most likely not be the Mets general manager, men, general manager excuse me, this year. He made some really questionable uh, moves throughout his Mets tenure, and it's – it's a chance, though. I like what the Mets did. They brought in an agent, and Brody Van Wagner made a lot of moves. And at Why the time, get Todd was... Frazier? Okay, I, Why? I, I, there was some, I just as I said, there was some really questionable presence, moves. Chemistry or something Early on, like though. <laughs> what yeah, did you, you say, Max? Purposes. Chemistry, you think? I was yeah. just thinking he already had been there before, I'm sure. One, Rojas was familiar with him somewhat because he was in the organization before, and some of the players had to be as well. So maybe just someone in there who I think is fantastic in the clubhouse. I mean, I'm sure you know. I do like the Todd father, yes. Everywhere. I do like the Todd father. Yeah, so I think that definitely had to be with it, or what it had to do with that as well. Uh, But the funny thing with Billy Hamilton that you mentioned, he gets DFA'd right after that, gets rewarded, goes to the Cubs, and now he's in the postseason. That's just how baseball works. How does that make you feel, Ethan? That he's in the postseason. <laughs> I don't even care. I I'm mean, just... we'll see. The Marlins are up one nothing right now. They I know. Be very and I love it. I love it. They're pitching. They're starting pitching. Their top three in uh, Lopez, Alcantara, and Sanchez is like pretty underlooked right now. And the best of three series, I think they're in good shape, especially after winning game one. But we shouldn't they, be talking they, about that. They right. got pushed back till tomorrow. They're not even playing today, yeah. I believe. So at least we'll but, get a game on the weekend if the Cubs win tomorrow. Uh, do you think? How does this impact Dominic Smith as a potential trade value if they go back to the? Uh, no DH for the NL. Personally, question, yeah. personally, or do you trade him? Okay, it all depends if the uh, DH is coming back. If the DH comes back, Dominic Smith's got a spot in the New York Mets lineup every Easy. single game. The way he hit, he led the National League in doubles. He was the fastest in single season doubles for the New York Mets in a single season. 22 doubles in 60 games. No Mets has ever done that that quick. Yes, it was only the whole season, but still – Dominic Smith was phenomenal all year. Lefties versus righties, he was hitting the crap out of the ball. And there's no way around that. He's if there's a DH, there's it's just gotta be Dom Smith because he's he. You can throw him in the outfield every once in a while in left field. <laughs> he got better. He got better. He got a little better. He got he okay. Let's just say he got usable in left field, which is yes. still not good. It's not what you want, but. When you have a guy like Robinson Cano as well, who's coming off, who's coming down in his defensive career, he's not too good defensively. He said he doesn't like to be in the DH, but with the amount of young talent the Mets have in that infield, just going down the line, J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, it's hard to believe that all four and then Cano as well, so five of them all remain New York Mets, along with Dom Smith being six. Someone most likely is going to go eventually. I could see it. The Mets really like Andres Jimenez, so I could see him sticking around. The question is, Ahmed Rosario, he's got a big, big 2021 coming up. He's got a lot to prove because he lost his starting spot, but the Mets haven't given up on him yet. So a guy like Dom Smith, I don't see the Mets trading him, I, especially just the, his offense production is so good, so elite, that I could. he just had a really big season for him personally, and I think he solidifies him spot on this team for at least another season. Yeah, and I can almost guarantee you, I would say the MLB would be crazy if they don't bring back the universal DH. One 100%. for anyone who didn't like the D, didn't who for anyone that didn't like the idea. Did anyone notice? I didn't notice, honestly. And for, no, some for people. number 
I bet you, but like, I think the majority of the fan base was okay with it and it makes baseball better and more entertaining. And it look, it gives people more opportunities. Dominic Smith had a chance to show what he can do play every single day, especially in the second half of the season. And he put up fantastic numbers and look where he is now. No DH. He probably doesn't get that opportunity. Or if he does, you have to force him in there and potentially screw yourself up defensively. So I, I think it works well for every major league baseball team as a whole keeps players in the league. I just don't see why they would not bring it back. And that, yeah, let's move on now to our final segment. The Mets, obviously, we'll see what they are next year on the new Steve Cohen era. We'll get more into what the Mets should do in the offseason and future episodes. But we got to focus on what's happening this week. And that is the American League Division Series Rays Yankees. The battle of the century <laughs> it is turning into a new rivalry it that really, I yeah. never expected to ever happen. Never, never, ever. And now it's going to be a heated five-game series starting on Monday, probably night, guessing. There's going to be two games that day, and I would be shocked if they don't give the Yankees a raise primetime due to the hatred there now. And it's the Yankees. And, and it's the Yankees. Anyway, let's go right into it. Boone already announced Garrett Cole starting game one, and I would imagine since it's five straight days, remember, no rest in between any game, that he'll go game five if necessary on short rest. And I just want to pick apart this potential rotation. Uh, it's going to be, in my eyes, I would, I'd be shocked if there's any other way, uh, Cole, Tanaka, Hap, and Devi. I'm surprised Montgomery hasn't really been mentioned, but it just seems Boone's really set on Devi and bringing Mont- Montgomery out of the pen or as like a long reliever kind of guy. But anyway, save the Yankees win game one. And they'll probably be going against Blake Snell, which I would imagine. Or I wouldn't be surprised if the Rays throw out uh, Charlie Morton. But you want to throw Snell out there just for the potential game five, of course. Um, But if the Yankees win game one, would you go with Tanaka game two? Or would you go with someone like Hap or Devi Garcia in game two with a one nothing lead and save Tanaka for potential decisive game three for in a one, one split, or if you get to the situation for game four as well. I like the second one that you said better. And I think that's what a lot of managers have been using in this best of three wildcard series, just because if per se you throw Hap or Devi in game two and they win great, you have Tanaka with a chance to sweep in that game three, or you don't even have to use him. You don't even use him. Think about it. You can, you can, you can throw throw the other one that you didn't use. And then Tanaka. And then if Debbie wins, great. You, you sweep him and you're in great shape. And if not, then you have Tanaka up two to one. And I think you're in good shape. And if he were to lose per se, then you have Cole in game five. And I think you would have so much more leverage in that situation where I don't want to say you would burn him in game two, but look what the Toronto Blue Jays did. They, what they could have gone is Ryu and Taiwan Walker, their two best pitchers this year in games one and two. But instead they decided to do the strategy you were talking about it went shoemaker in game one but the only thing that messed up with that is they lost game one and they were in good shape because Ryu was their guy who has postseason experience and was the best pitcher on their staff this well, it year. did not hit well at all it did not end up well <laughs> at all but you well. got to imagine that Tanaka in that scenario would do better and if that were the case then you would go into game three with your better starter or your second best starter and Taiwan Walker trying to win that series so if that were the case I would trust that Tanaka would step up in that situation even though it didn't work for the Blue Jays I still would say Save Tanaka for that decisive. And Ethan, before I let you speak, I, I was actually thinking this in my head while Max was speaking, and that's either way I think you – if the Yankees win game one, you let Tanaka go game three because essentially there's – if 
if they're up to nothing, they could put, put it away right there. And either way, you get the same amount of rest before the World Series. Or worst case scenario, it's one-to-one, assuming they win game one, of course. And then you have Tanaka in that splitting game. So, yeah, I think either way, if the Yankees win, Tanaka should be held off for game three. And I maybe think that's why Boone is waiting to announce game two starter until it gets close to the series and after maybe game one even happens. No, no yeah, I definitely I think- I think the only thing you would have to worry about is maybe you want to let your pitcher know just so he can mentally yeah. prepare. But I'm sure Tanaka, who has a lot of experience, you can afford to wait a little longer with him versus if this is Debbie Garcia, you probably want to let him know a lot more ahead of time. But I'm sure he'll figure it out. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the number two strategy, which I feel like we haven't seen too much in the past, but have this year, uh, is a really good idea. But something I do want to talk about, too, which is interesting, is I think Garrett Cole, and I was talking to Steve about this beforehand, is just that the Rays have struggled so much against high velocity this season. And with Garrett Cole, obviously the average fastball at about 96, 97 miles an hour, and he's Garrett Cole, should be in good shape. But everyone else almost in that rotation for the Yankees is below 95, which is what is considered hard. Do you guys think that'll play an impact? I know Tanaka you should still be able to trust, but what about the other two and a half in Garcia? Yeah, I think that's the matchups we're actually – it's going to define the series, to be honest. The Yankees coming in, coming off last postseason, they obviously need a starting pitching, and they got their guy in Garrett Cole. But at the end of the day, Cole only is going to pitch maximum two, two starts and maybe a relief start in Game 7 if they were to need it. So coming in, so the Yankees come off in the last postseason, they need a guy like Garrett Cole. So, But at the end of the day, Cole is only going to start two of these games. Yes, in the best of three, it means a lot. But these last couple guys are going to define this series. How good can Tanaka be? Yes, he's been so good in the postseason. But as you said, the Rays do so much better with people who throw under 95 miles an hour. And Tanaka is one of those guys. Jay Happ doesn't throw very hard. And neither does uh, Debbie Garcia can throw. Debbie can get to 95. He's just more of a finesse kind of pitcher. He'll Mm -hmm. throw all the 95, 96 fastball when he needs it. But he'll otherwise focus more on location. Yeah, I was going to say he sits around like 94, maybe 95, 93. Mm-hmm. So that's really what is, what is going to define the series. And personally, if I had to predict who was going to win this series, I would probably say the Rays, just how, was the, how this has been going this year, the Rays are 8-2 versus the Yankees this year. They've had their number. But the Yankees coming in momentum, you, gotta, you, can't, you can't forget what the Rays just did. They just beat up on the Blue Jays as well. So both teams coming into momentum, this is going to be a collision Personally, I think the Rays will win this. I think their pitching staff edges. It's just so in-depth with Snell and Morden and Glasnow. <laughs> I, I think I think I have no doubts in Tanaka just because of the pedigree, but the big wild cards for me are definitely Happ and Garcia, and that'll be interesting to see how those go. Especially since Happ is a lefty, and the Rays have a lot of left-handed Yeah, hitters. that's the only thing I'm going to say right there. Happ's a yep. lefty. I'm not but trusting Jay Happ, keep in mind. I looked also. The <laughs> yeah. Rays actually have statistically been better against left-handers somehow, so they're reverse splitting it. Less at-bats. Uh, yeah, yeah, true. True, good point. But uh, they still have proven that they can somewhat compete against the left-handed pitcher. And two, I think, as Ethan touched on a little bit, especially, especially with no days off, the bullpen is going to be huge. Don't get me wrong, the Yankees' bullpen is still very good, but I'd say some of the names in there haven't performed up to the level you'd expect, but like here, Alvino and so forth. But the Rays have been so dominant. They have one of the top three bullpens in Major League Baseball right now. And the fact that you have that to go deep, along with three starters who I would say have postseason experience and are bona fide in Glasnow, Snell, and Morton, it's just so much deeper. And in a five-game series with no days off, I think they're in really good shape. But here's the uh, interesting thing. 
uh, the Rays, I don't know who's starting game four for them. They're going to probably go into a bullpen. They could go Yarbrough, too. Which is not they a could problem, go Yarbrough, though. But Yarbrough can't go too long. Yeah. It's, that's not a problem for them, as Max just said. That, yeah, the bullpen, but, no, no, but, they have depth. But it's five straight days. That's what I'm saying. So the, the Rays have a better bullpen than the, the Yankees right now. But the difference is the Yankees have to deal with that, too. The Yankees have the starter, though, who can get long. Devi can get can give you five, six innings that as well. He went it's seven be, twice, I think, yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. Against there. good lineups. He shut out the Mets. No, no, no. I know what you're saying. And, <laughs> That's and not the hard. Blue That's Jays not impressive. And the Blue Jays it is impressive considering they're the highest batting average in the National League. And the Blue Jays were a pretty good offensive team as well. But what I'm talking about here is, one, I can assume you could trust Snell to go six, seven innings. Same thing with Glasnow and um, who am I blanking on right here? Glasnow and Morton. Morton. I both, all three of those guys I would expect to go deep to the point where – Maybe your bullpen's only throwing two and a half innings per game. And I think if that's the case, you could push it a little bit more as long as Yarbrough can go four or five. And then maybe you can mix in one of your other, you maybe your five starter or something like that and have them go through the back end. If it's even necessary to get to that point, and I'm not saying the Rays are going to sweep the Yankees because Garrett Cole, I'm confident, will take game one. But it could get to a point where I think it could be a battle of the pens and I think the Rays are in good shape. And one thing I want to touch up quick is this is going to come down to Aaron Boone's managing skills. I actually thought he managed game one poorly. Uh, he made some gutsy decisions, especially since they were up one nothing, and they really let the bullpen loose that they could have been depleted going to next game. Uh, so before we wrap up, quick predictions, series score. Birch, you're up first. I'm going Tampa in five. Max? Tampa in four. Wow. I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Yankees. Yankees in five. That will wrap up the new and improved episode of New York Take a Walk. For Max Tanzer and Ethan Birch, I'm Steve Durr.